Oh, saw dudes and dudettes, it's your boy Rick here with another fantastic episode of the No Soliciting Experience. Before I bring on today's guest, just gotta ask you guys for a huge favor. If you guys find value in the podcast, the only thing I ask is that you share with somebody like-minded, someone you feel like can truly benefit from the topics that we talk about today. So, without any further ado, let's roll the music and bring in today's guest. Let's go. Biggie, biggie, biggie. All right, guys, welcome back to the No Soliciting Experience. It's your boy, Rick, and I'm super pumped for today because we got a boy who is just making making some big waves in the industry. So, Jackson, thank you for coming on, man. Um, you mind introducing yourself to the people? Yeah, man. We're excited to be here first off. Thanks for taking the time talking to me this morning. Um, so, yeah, my name is Jackson Jr. I'm a senior partner at Grit Marketing. This will be my fifth year selling um, and managing teams. So, we'll have a couple teams all over the Midwest and East Coast. It's really exciting. Sweet, man. So, You've, you've you've been recruiting, man. Um, I, I see you guys on social media, big social media presence. So who's ever running your your social media accounts, dude? My my hats off to them. Like <laughs> it is it is not easy. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. Um, yeah, so been recruiting. So I got home from my mission about three years ago. Started when I got home from my mission, I had sold to the previous company. So um, my brother and a few of like my other mission buddies were selling at a different company that I was at previously. So I kind of had to start, start over from zero. So I know like what it's like as rookies to have to start from zero and even vets like that start out with just literally no teams, zero recruits and kind of wondering like, how, how am I going to build a team? Right. So my first year um, was able to recruit 18 guys and then had an awesome experience. I sold 555 accounts at a 570 contract value in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, my team did just over 4,800 accounts. Um, so I had an awesome experience. Everyone was way stoked to come back and do it a second year, which I think is a big part of the growth. A lot of guys don't focus on is just retention because it's one thing to like recruit guys, right? Like everybody can, you know, get a couple buddies to come out. It's another thing for them to have a good experience and then come back. Um, and a lot of that I think is direct like reflection of whether you're putting them in the right environment, like the right culture. And then also if they're making good money, right. Cause like no one's going to come back if they're not producing and not making the money that they expect to make. So I think that's a big thing, just setting expectations. So second year um, we re-signed almost every single guy and then turned that into 54 reps um, and two offices, which was huge blessing. It was awesome. Like in two years to be running essentially a division, we did just shy of 10,000 accounts. Um, and that was a year I ran for everyone that's followed. No soliciting, bro. Make sure you hit it with a follow, but, um, that's the year I ran a team with Drew Hansen. So was able to recruit Drew from armor, um, came over after selling 572 accounts to tripled his production to 1500 accounts with us in Indy at a 700 contract value broke the all time record doing a million dollars in pest revenue. So it's been awesome since then. Um, you know, we've had tons of other guys blow up 
And then this year, you know, we've recruited, you know, over 220 reps. We'll have between six and seven offices all over the Midwest and East Coast. And it's just exciting, man. It's been cool. Sweet, man. I love to hear that. Um, <clears throat> so my question is, and, and you touched on this like right in the beginning, is making sure you put your guys in a situation of success. How, because I mean, most people will just, in this space, unfortunately, we hit up random people on social media. We try to recruit numbers and recruit as many people as possible. Yeah. Unfortunately, that tends to, and sometimes it works, right? Like, don't, sure. don't get me wrong. Um, but sometimes, more often than not, they, these recruits don't have the best experience. What's been, I guess, your, I guess, walk me through your recruiting process. Like, how do you go from finding somebody to ensuring or at least making sure that they have a good experience with you in the summer? Yeah, no way good thought. So um, the first thing is you've got to think about like what is like the end goal of like everything, right? With the rep, because if, it, if it's just about like to make money off the kid, right? Or the, or the girl, right? You're in like the worst like headspace that you could be in for, from a recruiting position. So for me, it's always been like, I learned this from one of like my mentors, like one of the guys I work with, um, his name's Garth Massey. So I've been blessed. I work at obviously grit marketing. And um, I think the biggest thing like for the culture, like that I've learned from has been just being a go-giver versus a go-getter. So go-getters focus on like, what can I get out of the situation, right? And people feel that it's, you can be so ingenuine in the recruiting process. Like when you talk to people that it's like, okay, I'm going to reach out to you because if you come work with me, then I get this, right? And that's why so many people are turned off, especially through social media and through the DMs and through the random texts, because it's so ingenuine. And people can tell that like the only reason you're reaching out is because you want to make money off of them right? Which no one wants to be filled that way. I'm a big believer. Like everybody deserves to feel appreciated, believed in and, and needed. And that's like, I think a big thing is just like in the recruiting process, you have to have the right mindset going into it to begin with. So mine's all about giving, where can I add the most value? Where can I help this person have an awesome experience, have an awesome opportunity? Like where can this make sense for them? Because if it's not their best option, it doesn't make sense for them, then why are they going to work with me? Right. And then same thing goes for a lot of people like within their company, if you're recruiting against other companies, cause that happens all the time, right? If you're recruiting against other companies and it's a, it's a, uh, it just comes down to like, what can I do to get them? Right. Then they're never going to want to work with you. Where if it's, where can I add the most value and where can my company add the most value that it makes sense for them to work with me? Then the recruiting process goes much smoother. So I think that's been the biggest thing when it comes to like recruiting battles, I'd say I'll win nine times out of 10, just because I'm not focusing so much on the external factors of the deal and focusing so much on like some sign on bonus. Cause we don't, at where I work, we don't do those things, right? We don't have like sign on bonuses, everything standardized. So it's more, I have to focus on where can I add the most value to this person? Where will it make most sense for them? And we eliminate those external factors. So I'd say that's the first thing that's been, probably huge in, in my recruiting process is just having that mindset and thinking about where I can add value. And then the second thing is just once we do sign them on board, we have a system from point A to point B. So I teach them the entire recruiting process. How are they going to be able to plug into the system 
and then actually get results from recruiting. It's not just, hey, reach out to your friends and hope to have success. Same thing, like we get them into a training process. We have a system for our training. So what does that look like for weekly follow-up? How often are they training? What resources they have to train? Are they doing one-on-ones with myself or with Drew Hansen or with Cody Olives who sold 1,700 accounts or with John Taylor who sold back-to-back 1,000 accounts? So I, we find ways that they can have access to super high-level reps so that they're able to experience. But then also there's give and take of where they can train on their own. Um, and then I'd say the third thing, like, and this is probably most important for retention, right, for continuing to grow, um, is just setting proper expectations. And it's kind of the same, like, in pest control, if I lie to a customer, the customer is going to cancel, right? Same thing goes for recruiting. If you overpromise in recruiting, then the rep's just going to go away, right? They're not going to stay with you. So overpromising and underdelivering is the biggest reason why reps don't come back. Um, so in the recruiting process, being as realistic and just straightforward and transparent as possible, that's a huge, huge step um, in the right direction for retaining reps, setting proper expectations so that they can have an awesome experience. And then, I mean, the, the other thing is just in the summer, like you've got to, they've got to produce, right? So you've got to work the hours and you've got to work harder than the hours, right? You've got to put up really, really big numbers and help them put up really, really big numbers. So um, I mean, helping the guys make great money, like that's, that's kind of like the, the all in all, right? Like if guys aren't making money, they're not going to come back and they're not going to want to continue to work with you. And then also you mentioned like social media. I mean, when everybody sees that we're able to produce on our team, big reps, and they're having a great experience and they do come back, well, then everybody wants to know, right? And all of your friends are watching. So the best thing you can do to be a big recruiter is just go have a big summer. If you look at Drew and, and the reason why he's had an amazing recruiting year, well, he went out and sold 1,500 accounts. So who wouldn't want to sell with Drew Hansen once he's sold 1,500 accounts? Same as Cody Olive, same as tons of other reps that I've worked with. There you go. I like that. And that's, that, that's a huge tip. So recently, I kind of did a solo rip on recruiting just because, dude, I got – so I normally don't check, like, my, like my DMs on my personal, um, and I had like, I think like 15 or 20 requests, right. And all of them were like, Hey, I think you'd be a great fit for what I'm doing. And I'm like, are you, dude, are you serious? Like, is this a joke? <laughs> like, I, it's, I the, it's a classic dude. I'm like, it says in my bio, like my other page, like if you just clicked on that, you would know who I am. <laughs> and dude, oh, I, just yeah. got, I just got so frustrated with it. But one of the things that I love that you said is your social media presence, like what you're putting on social media is going to attract people and it's just going to pique their curiosity. So I think that's the biggest misconception is people, I mean, just be proud of what you do. Be proud that you knock doors. Be yeah. proud that you do one of the hardest, probably the hardest jobs and you make yeah. good money doing it. Well, just like you said, I think a lot of people are, there's too scared to be that guy, right? But at the end of the day, like, if you're doing sales in any capacity, like you already are that guy, like you already are a summer sales boy. Like people are going to already associate you with that or girl, right? Like they're already going to associate you with that. You might as well embrace it and, and treat it like a, like a professional career, right? The sending out the random DMS and like the excessive hype and all the, like the stereotypes about summer sales. Those are the things you want to avoid. You want to try to treat it more as I'm a professional 
direct seller. This is what I do for a living. I'm a professional recruiter. And let me show you how you can have an awesome experience and how this could make sense for you if you've never considered it. And if that's not your cup of tea, then hey, no worries. Exactly. That's what it is. It just comes down to being genuine. <clears throat> I just, so um, do you follow a- uh, Andy Frazella? I don't. No. So one of really, the- I need to. Dude, he's great, man. I love him. Um, him and his brother run a company called First Form, and they just posted something the other day about like the key to success is just being kind and being genuine. And that, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. We are, like you said, we've already taken on the, I guess, the stereotype of a summer sales bro. Yeah. It's time to kind of break, I feel like it's time to break that mold. Yeah. A lot of it, I think, is just going to, it will directly change by the intentions of the reps. And a lot of it comes down to like culture of the company, like where you're working. Um, Cause every company is different and, and some cultures are more focused on producing quantity. And so it's all about just as many, as many, as many as you can get. And that's where I think a lot of this random DMS and the, the flashy hype, whatever, right? Like that's where they're trying to attract people. That's their strategy where others it's more about quality um, I think there's a healthy balance to find both just like there is in pest control, right? Like you don't have to throw sling out cheap deals in order to sell a lot of accounts. Literally we saw that with Drew and with Cody, you know, selling 1500 accounts at a 700 contract value. You can sell tons of accounts and them still be quality. Just like you can recruit lots of reps and have them still be quality. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I recently learned. So <clears throat> watching Drew, Watching Cody, watching guys even like like Josh Zuniga, like just preach on contract values, um, it just puts more money in your pocket at at the end of the day, and your customers feel like they're getting a like a better service. And let's let's be realistic. This is something I just broke down the other day. Like a six hundred dollar contract value. Like if these people have families, that's like what they spend on groceries in a month. Yeah. Like a six hundred dollar contract value isn't that bad. It's really not like it's all a mindset thing. Like if you think that you can sell higher contracts, then you will. Um, like I, I've got a lot of buddies that sell at EcoShield and I look at them and it's like, it's a huge shout out in the sense that they sell such high contract. And a lot of it just comes down to like that. They mentally aren't scared to sell high contracts, right? They're willing to anchor higher. They're willing to push a little bit more. Um, I think there's a healthy balance of where you can, sell more deals like how drew has done right and it's still a healthy contract value but there's also uh, you know a, a lot of props to the guys that are selling 200 dollars initials plus right and guys that are selling 800 to a thousand dollar average contract values i think that's awesome i think that's absolutely insane and you're right yeah. it, it just comes down to mindset um what what do you think for you has been like the biggest i guess contributing factor to not only you, but the guys that you bring on and the guys that you train on how to have a better and stronger mindset? Yeah, way good question. So, I mean, there's nothing you can discount, like just hard work, right? Um, like I'm a big believer that you need to take pride in your work ethic. And that's something, one of the guys I work with, John Taylor, he's really pushed that into me. Um, so the things like I've stolen from him, when it comes to mindset, it, I always like to use the example of like, what's the difference between, you know, Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson or Tom Brady and Cam Newton from an athletic standpoint, there's no reason why Lamar Jackson or, or Cam Newton or any other quarterback shouldn't be as good as Tom Brady. Like they're actually better from a physical standpoint. 
they're way faster. They're way swaggier. Like everybody can watch games and know Lamar Jackson athletically is way more talented than Tom Brady. So why is Tom Brady the best? It simply comes down to that Tom Brady wants it more. It simply comes down to that Tom Brady actually believes he's the best. And so therefore he continues to be the best. So um, I think that, you know, people put themselves in a box and we, you know, associate like, Hey, you know, I'm this level rep. Like I'm a, I'm a 200 level rep. I'm a 300 level rep. I'm a, I'm a rookie. I'm a veteran. I'm a manager. Right. And everybody like competes with who they think they can compete with. Um, but very few people are willing to take themselves out of the box and just be great. Right. Or compete at an entirely different level. So I'll use like, you know, Drew's a really good example of this, that, you know, he was always a 500 level rep. And he said to me, Hey, Jax, you know, I want to, I want to sell a thousand accounts this year. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. Right. Like we can totally make that happen. What do we need to shift? What do we need to do different in order for you to hit that? And then as he starts to sell more, he realizes like, I'm putting myself in a box of being a thousand level rep and I'm not that. And so he says, Jax, I'm going to sell a million in revenue. And I'm like, holy cow, that's never been done before. But, and that's, you know, that's not what I'm going to say to him. Right. But, um, I was just so proud of him for recognizing he had put himself in a box and making that shift in mentality that he could be better. could be greater because why not? Right. It's the same thing goes like the four minute mile. Like everyone said it couldn't be done, then it's done. Right. And now it's just like tons of people have done it. And it's just every year, like people say they're going to do something more and more and more. Cody all of this year has made it very clear. He's going to sell 2000 accounts. That's never been done in pest control ever. Right. I mean, frankly, 1700 had never been done. So to do 2000 accounts, like people are like, that's crazy. And he said he wanted to sell 40 accounts, just pest control, no ancillary accounts, simply pest control accounts in one day. And I, I broke down the math and I'm like, dude, you'd have to sell one account every 20 minutes for 13 hours straight in order to sell 40 accounts. And he looked at me and he said, it's already done. And I just, I cracked up because it just shows like how tough his mindset is. So I think for me and like the guys that I work with, um, you know, it comes down to like work ethic, right. And just putting in the hours, putting in the time, because that creates a lot of confidence, creates a lot of belief. So when you are training in the off season and you are putting in the time in the office, um, that, that helps you actually believe you can do it. And then once it comes down to the summer, it's just making those sacrifices. So we knock all day Saturday. We don't get off early on Saturday. We treat it like a double day because it gives you extra time to make more deals, right? I mean, if you can have an extra four hours for a hundred selling days, that's crazy. 400 hours of selling, like that goes a long, long way, right? So stuff like that, um, I think is huge for the summer as well as just every day, like being consistent to the goal and being focused on that goal. Um, and then I, another thing I'd just say with mindset is, one thing I've admired about the guys I work with. So obviously I talked a lot about Drew, but other guys that I work with, um, you know, like John Taylor, uh, Ben Egan, Josh Nielsen, Garth Massey. And then on my teams that I run with Charles Mills, Jackson Gardner, Alec Withers, my brother, Dallas, um, Dallin Bryan. There's, I mean, tons of guys that I could list off, but all of these guys that I work with, um, they just, they do really, really hard things. And for example, like Jackson Gardner went and ran with Iron Cowboy James, you know, a couple of days ago and, and ran his marathon with him. He'd never run a marathon, just ran it, right? 
um, my brother Dallas and his team, Alec, they have never run like anything before. And they just decided to wake up one morning randomly at 5.00 AM and go run a half marathon with a bunch of their guys. Right. Uh, my buddy McKay Roberts, just, he ran four miles. Then he decided, Hey, if I can run four, why can't I run 20? Which is just crazy to think that he went and ran 20 miles. And then after he ran 20, he's like, man, I think mentally like I'm tougher than 20 miles. So he just woke up one morning and went and ran 40 miles without even thinking of it. I just went and did it. Right. So it's been crazy. Like, I think the culture I've been a part of, you realize all these guys that are pushing themselves and doing really hard things. And it's helped me realize why keep myself in a box and think that like, I'm only capable of this physically or mentally when so many around me are doing things that I would think are just so tough. And I don't see any differences between us. Right. So that's been the biggest thing is just being in the right environment and being around people that have helped me realize my potential is so much more than I think it is. Exactly. Dude, I love that. <clears throat> I, I love the fact that it's, it's, it's all intentional. It's the fact that you just said it, like you don't want to be put in the box. You're, you, mentally, we put ourselves in, in that box. And it just comes down to understanding like you, you're growing to a point where you're like, I'm outgrowing this box. Yeah. It's time to take off the lid and see, see where we go. Exactly. That's freaking awesome, man. I love that. Um, dude, I think, I think that to me is something that the industry lacks is the fact that again, Everybody, it's almost like these steps of like one, two, three, four, you have to do this, do this, do this, and do that next. I think yeah. what you guys have embodied is you guys are yourselves. You really find out who, who you are and then just roll with that and just see how, how far you guys can take it. Um, yeah. So, and that could probably segue, Rick, I mean, into like kind of, you know, with, with mindset and like how that helps like develop leaders, right? Um, when people talk about like the growth in the organization, the mindset of, especially as a leader that I'm going to lead from the front and I'm not just like pushing from the back, right? Like there's, there's this image that I love, like a lot of people have seen it, but it shows like this leader pulling like a sled with like the ropes, like on his shoulders and he's in front of people, right? Most people have seen it. And then there's the other one where he's like sitting up on the carriage while the rest are pulling him. Right. And uh, I'm just a huge believer that, leaders lead from the front, they put up results. So like in my case, you know, I have every excuse in the world to be off the doors, right? With over 200 reps, I have every excuse to not knock doors where this year I'm going to sell a thousand accounts and I'm pushing myself to a whole new level at a 750 contract value. I've made up my decision. I'm going to do it. Uh, it's been broadcasted. Like there's not any option at this point. And the reason why I'm doing it, it's not like, for my own pride or ego's sake, more than anything is for my guys. It's to prove that even as a leader, like, and even when I have tons and tons of responsibilities, I can still lead from the front. I can still put up big numbers. I can still set the pace. Um, and same thing goes with, you know, just talking about like mindset of doing hard things. It's your guys seeing that you are mentally tough and that you are pushing the limits and you are trying to grow and develop as a person because that just inspires others to do the same. So I think that's a big part of developing leaders is as you set the pace and as you do really, really hard things and you grow as a person, 
people are inspired by that. They're motivated by that. And that's what leads them to then take action because they'll reflect, right. And look at themselves like, okay, if I want to be like this guy, right. Or I want to be where he is, what do I need to do so I can get there? Right. There's a, a famous phrase, like everybody wants what the top guys have, but no one's willing to do what the top guys do. And I think this is probably the best way to describe it is if you want to have what the top guys have, you need to start to think like the top guys do. You need to have the mindset that the top guys do. And if you can have that mindset and you can put in the work, right? Cause that's all it comes down to is just everyone can talk, right? Talks cheaper than it's ever been right now, but it's like, you've got to show up come summer, right? You've got to show up. Like when you get back from the summer, there's no off season. It's once you're home from the summer, you're into recruiting season. You're working with your guys, you're training, you're getting things ready for the next year. And that becomes more of like a, just a lifestyle thing. Like everything I do, I'm going to put my name on it and I'm going to do it the right way. Cause I want people to remember like, Oh, that's, that's Jackson Jr. That's how he does things. Not that I slack off. Right. I love that. I love that phrase. I actually have something similar and I, I heard it to you like a few weeks ago. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Right. Right. It's that's just the thing is everyone is scared of that hard work is dude. Hard work is hard, man. Like it is. <laughs> <laughs> but and the thing is like, dude, you just wouldn't make as much money as we do in this job. If it wasn't exactly like, like that's what I, it's cracked me up. It's like rookies want to make, you know, 50, 60 to a hundred grand their first year. And I'm like, dude, let's do it. Like, it's just hard though. Selling 400 accounts or 500 accounts your rookie year not easy. We can do it. We've done it before, but it's hard. Right. And, and, and guys just don't realize that. Yeah. So part of that is setting realistic expectations going back to what, I mean, you're just setting the expectations for them. And then like, how, how has that helped you create the, the, the leaders that you have? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing with expectations, as far as like, results go is every goal is is just an idea until there's a plan of how to get there and so sitting down with my leaders and breaking down their goals um and what that actually is going to look like the sacrifices like how they're going to have to hit certain numbers right like the quotas where they're going to have to be in order to hit those goals and then mentally like where they need to be right in order to get there um so a lot of it is just like committing them right and there's like the common phrase that you either are committed to do it or you, what's, how do I phrase it? You, you're either committed to do it or you are interested in doing it. Right. And so making sure they're not just interested in their goals or interested in results, but they're actually committed to those goals and results. And then setting the expectations of, I mean, we've had guys sell it that level, right? Where I think a lot of managers, it's tough because some managers have never sold four or 500 accounts. Some managers have never sold a thousand accounts. Some managers have never done a million in revenue, right? Actually 99.9% of the the industry has never done that, right? So unique, you know, for my organization, if someone says like, hey, I want to sell 500 accounts, I've got tons of reps that have sold 500 accounts. I just say, cool, go train with him and ask him, how to sell 500 accounts, right? Or I want to sell 700 accounts or I want to do a million in revenue. I want to sell a thousand accounts. Most managers don't have the luxury of being like, okay, this is what it takes because they're frankly, they've never done it, right? Where in my case, I can do that. I can say, yeah, 
go meet with Drew, ask him how he did it. And a lot of it comes just down to the sacrifices, right? Um, what they're willing to put in to hit those goals. So I think the biggest thing is just having people that have done it before so that they can learn from that and then build upon that is, is really, really big. And, and I think that should be an industry thing, right? Like I work with guys from, I've had guys from EcoShield this year come in and work with me. I've had guys from Moxie this year come and work with me. I've had guys from Aptive come in and train with me. And it's like, do I make any cut off those guys or is it in any of my interest to like train those guys from like a financial standpoint? No, but does it matter? No. Because at the end of the day, like if it helps the industry get better and it helps push everybody at other companies and it pushes our reps, that's what we all want. And that's the culture like I want to be a part of. That's the industry I want to be a part of where everybody grows and gets better together. And so, you know, if there's guys that are at other companies that are like, dude, man, how is Drew selling 1,500 accounts? How is Cody selling 1,700 accounts? Just text him, DM him, ask him, right? Ask him to do a training with them. They're super humble guys. They'd be totally willing to help you out. There's so many times we, I think, put ourselves, same thing in the box of like, I'm with this company. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Like, we don't reach out for other resources. And it's like, you're just never going to be able to do the things you want to do unless you work with people that have done it. Dude, I freaking love that. Absolutely love it. And, and that's the thing. Um, have you ever heard of the uh, law, law of reciprocity? I have, yeah. Dude, you're, you're like embodying it, and I love it. That's like, <laughs> that's like one of the things that I learned um, from like other leaders who I work with in the industry, like Kyle Nielsen, right? Perfect example for me. Just give, yeah. give, 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 give. Sometimes yeah. there is no financial benefit, but who's to say that there has to be a financial benefit from it? Totally. Well, especially like relationships are meant to be long-term and that's another thing that goes back to stereotypes and like pest mm-hmm. and just some sales. It's like, we only have relationships with people that we are going to make an income off of. Right. And it's ingenuine because it's like, yeah, the only reason I would ever talk to you or be interested in your life or yada, yada is just because I'm going to make money off of you. So when that shifts and it's more about, I want to add value to your life and I genuinely want to have a relationship, then people can see that. And if they do want to work with you and it makes sense for them to work with you, it goes back to like what makes sense for them, right? If it ever does make sense for them to work with you, they'll be there. Exactly. Dude, I freaking love that, man. Absolutely love it. One of the things that I'm, I'm curious to know is you guys have built leaders you guys have the formula for it. Like, what have you guys done to make that, to streamline that, streamline that? Like, what systems do you guys have in play to, I mean, obviously, you guys have worked hard. Now sure. it's time to make that hard work simple to be able to repeat over and over again. Yeah. So, I mean, running a systematic organization is probably what I pride myself on more than anything at the grit. Um, there has to be a place where reps can plug in. And so part of it starts out with, I teach my leaders, right, how to recruit. Once I've taught them how to recruit and they understand how to recruit, um, and I'm helping them through the process with the recruiting, right, by doing the first meetings and doing the closings, eventually that they watch me do those meetings enough and they watch me to go through that process enough, they become really comfortable with it. And then I start giving them baby steps, right? Of like, okay, you need to start doing this part of it, right? So they become self-sufficient. As they become self-sufficient, then as they recruit reps, I'm no longer the one that's teaching them how to set up the recruiting process. They're the ones teaching that recruiting process. And then they're doing the same thing. They're helping 
their reps, take baby steps, and we're slowly developing leaders down the chain. So, you know, there's parts of my organization where we're tens of 15 of people deep, right? And I have zero, zero involvement with those reps. Not that I don't still like reach out to them and like I'm still involved in, in my network. You know, I know every single person in my network's name, where they're from, like I have a personal relationship with them because that's important to me that they don't view me as like, a, that they're not fans of me. Or like I'm not like, you know, the regional or the whatever, right? Or the senior partner, like that, that doesn't matter to me. It's more about being their friend because there's a lot more respect and trust there. Um, so it's never that I want to be on a pedestal, but I do want the guys in my organization to be self-sufficient. And so that a lot of that requires me trusting them and believing in them that they can do just as capable of a job as I can do. So that's where I think a lot of you know, leaders struggle is they're not willing to let go of the reins. They're not willing to just let, let the birds fly, let them, you know, sometimes they are going to fall. Sometimes they are going to fail. Sometimes you are going to miss out on some recruits because the meeting might not have gone as smooth as it would have, if you would have done it, or, you know, they might not have taken the right approach, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't let them grow because if they become more self-sufficient, the organization will grow better. Um, and then same thing from a training standpoint, right? Is they watch me do certain trainings. Um, and then I set up, you know, systems within the organization to assign leadership roles where we have, you know, large scale trainings, company trainings, and then we break it down to, you know, smaller group trainings and then even to one-on-one trainings. Right. And so there's tons of different access that people can have to all sorts of different reps. Um, but we're organized and it's scheduled and it's easy for people to follow. And that's what allows reps to, you know, jump in and work with me. And they know like, okay, point A to point B, this is how I recruit. This is the steps I need to take. This is who I need to work with. And these are the questions I need to ask. And then from a training standpoint, the same thing. It's like, okay, I need to show up to the company training. I need to show up to this group training and show up to this one-on-one and I need to do my own individual training. And it's like, if you can do all of those things, right. And you're plugging in with the right people. And that's where I feel fortunate. The people I've worked with, um, you know, like I've mentioned some of them before, but I think, uh, people have an amazing experience because they can tell that all of the leaders that they're working with have been where they are and have gotten to where they are just by following the same system. Um, and that it will produce results if they just put in the work. Exactly. <clears throat> Dude, I freaking love that, man. I love that. It just, it's just very, very intentional, which is super refreshing. That's being that I'm plugged in and like, with a lot of different companies just kind of have a beat of the industry. Um, you guys are getting ahead of most of the industry, which is intention based. Yeah. Um, which is super dope, man. I, I love to see that. So let me ask you, man, like what's, what, what's next for you? Like what's, what do you, what do you, what, what, what are you shooting for this year? Yeah. So um, by, I'm actually, I like to set goals a couple years out. I'm always thinking, you know, the next year, the next year, the next year, um, because what I do this year will directly reflect the following year and it will just continue to do the same. Right. So um, this year I'm going to sell a thousand accounts at a 750 contract value. Um, I expect to do close to 30,000 accounts in my downline. Um, so triple in growth since last year. I'm hoping to have an average contract value in my offices of 750 um, and then 
you know, poor rep averages from a manager standpoint, well above five, 600, um, as far as like my per rep average and vet averages and rookie averages, you know, as long as my vet averages stay well above what they are now, right now our per rep average is 328. So I hope that it continues to get better. Average rep was 248 last year. I hope that that continues to get better. And our average rookie last year was 174. And I hope that gets better, right? So I want to continue to push transparency and just be open about the way we do business. Um, I think that that is really refreshing for tons of people in the industry. So, um, and then just myself, right? You know, I, I'm hoping that in the next couple of years, by, my goal is by 2025 to have uh, over a thousand reps um, that I work with and hopefully I can be adding lots and lots of value to them so that they can continue to grow. Um, I want to have the most reps in my organization um, to ever do a thousand accounts than any company before. So helping my guys reach new levels um, and recruiting and selling than they've ever done before. And then personally, you know, uh, I'm married, so I hope to just continue to be a good husband and be a good brother and a good son and just a good person and, and continue to grow as a leader. Um, and then investing, you know, that's a, a big thing for me. You know, uh, I think a lot of guys in the industry don't take advantage of, as the, of this as much as they should. So continuing to invest into real estate, um, that's a, a big thing for me is just investing into real estate and not only the gains that you can get from it, right, where your money can make you money, but also the tax benefits that come from it. So continuing to invest into real estate, um, you know, for guys that like the stock market, I invest in the stock market. For guys that like cryptocurrency, I invest in cryptocurrency. Um, I do own portions of two small businesses, so I'll continue to invest into small businesses and help them grow. But the goal is just to live a super, super happy and fulfilled and purposeful life and add as much value to those around me as I can. Dope. I love to hear that, man. Um, now, I know you're super busy. I, I know you have a lot um, on your plate being the, being the senior partner and dude, with as many guys as you have. Um, if you were to leave one piece of advice for the industry, what, what would that be? I would just say um, all, all that comes down to just hard work. So everyone wants like, you know, the secret sauce, like what is, you know, what's the difference? And at the end of the day, everyone that you'll meet that's been successful or has large organizations or has sold a lot of accounts, they've just been consistent in their efforts. It's just consistent hard work. It's every day waking up and saying, I could do this or I could do this and making the decision to do the harder thing, right? To do the thing that's going to push them and get them to their goals faster. So I would just tell everybody, you know, get out of your head, quit making it so complicated. It really is just simple and it's just consistent hard work. Love that. Love that. All right, Jackson, where, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so you can uh, follow me. It's just my first and last name. So at Jackson Jr., you can spell it J-A-X-O-N-J-U-N-I-O-R. That's my personal page, as well as you can give us a follow at The Grit um, and my team page. They can follow us this year. It's at the underscore grit 
underscore Detroit. I'll be selling in Detroit and Toledo. Um, and as well as we'll have other teams all over the Midwest. So you can follow any of those pages to see how my summer goes, to follow me personally, as well as to see how our company continues to grow. Show. Sweet, man. Well, thank you so much for being on, brother. I, I love everything you guys are doing, and I'm excited to see what you guys accomplish this year. Um, awesome. Huge fan. Be sure to tag me in, in, in everything you guys do, because I always reshare that on, on my story. You got it. We'll for sure do it. I appreciate it, Rick. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Hey, see you. And I just love your flashy ways. I guess that's why they're broken. You're so fake. Uh, baby, 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 uh -huh. can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. And I just love your flashy ways. I guess that's why they're broken. You're so fake. Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. And I just love your flashy ways. I guess that's why they're broken. You're so fake. Sometimes your words just hypnotize me And I just love your flashy ways I guess it's why they're broken, you're so Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me And I just love your flashy ways